Kojima still has dev kits? Kojima still has dev kits? And more Naughty Dog Uncharted? Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. (laughs) I'm your host, Brett Back, and alongside me is, again, the ghost of Saul Bridges. Saul, how are you doing? Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 258. I'll have this fixed next week, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we should. We're going to use that the, that big bucks Patreon money that we get from you guys to uh, <laughs> order Saul a, a USB hub for him to put in his computer <laughs> so he can finally have all the USB ports that he needs to cam up, as we say. Um, alongside me as well in video form, see him there sitting there in his yellow Boston. Is that a Boston thing? Yeah, yeah yes. okay. A Boston jersey. There you go. Representing. I don't really know any Boston sports, so I'm just going to assume. Are the Red Sox Boston? Right? Look at that. You got there. Look I'm at proud that. of you. I'm, I'm proud of It's the yellow socks, you dumbass. <laughs> <sighs> you see the color of the shirt? Clearly, it's the yellow socks. Chris Figs, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. So if for some reason you are not following us on social, which I don't blame you if you're not, some people don't have that, but you listen to the show, you may notice that we're coming out on a different day than usual. We did make the announcement over the weekend that since I was out for my anniversary and there's been schedule stuff going on that we decided amongst ourselves to be able to have our weekend back for me and Saul and to easier work with Chris's schedule to move the day to a day in the week where he's consistently off so we don't have to worry about conflicting schedules and Chris needing to be off for work or us needing to be off to do something on a weekend, like go somewhere with our families. So we've moved it to the middle of the week. We're going to be recording on Tuesdays now, so you'll see everything kind of adjust to that timeline. Chris and I are working out whether or not we're going to be able to put the episodes up on Wednesday or Thursday, this will be kind of our test week to figure out how that works and get through that. Uh, but thank you all for responding for the people that we called out to. And if for some reason, like I said, you're not on social um, and want to give us your thoughts, you can always email us at podcast at gmail.com. Or you can always go to wherever you listen. If it's got a rating system, throw us a rating. Let us know your thoughts about the show. Let other people know if it's worth their time uh, and any Concerns or comments that you have, that's a decent place to put them uh, for those of you who just don't want to deal with the headache that can sometimes be social media. Uh, But enough of that. If you're new to the show, first and foremost, welcome. We are a gaming podcast that specifically looks at gaming primarily through the eyes of PlayStation, being PlayStation fans. Uh, But we do talk about a little bit of everything. And we like to open the show in a way that gets everybody up to date with each other, us up to date with each other, and you up to date with what we've been playing, what we've been doing. Um, So, Saul, I'm going to start with you, man. What have you been playing this week, this past week? So, this week, I ended what I think is going to be my final Elden Ring run for now. Um, I accomplished my goal... um, I got through two different playthroughs. Um, actually, no, three different playthroughs, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So I'm gonna take a break. So I started back on Destiny, which is I got pulled away from with Elden Ring, and um, that's I kind of played a little bit of Destiny, but that's kind of it. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I, I know you've been Switch trying to go back to Destiny. So yeah, I guess I gotta so. ask the age-old question. Still, or have you have you completed Witch Queen? Nope. <laughs> I've given up on it at this point. 
Here, the, honestly, I soloed ninety percent of that. Oh no, I, I just don't want to do it again. I don't blame you. That's one of those things where I never understand. Uh, I don't know, Saul, if you remember. Did you play Elder Scrolls Online with us when it first yeah. launched? Yeah, when it because it was launched. me and you that were playing. Where mm-hmm. I was sitting there, and it was it was in one of those like Marlin cities, and you <laughs> yeah. were like, "Hey, oh no!" And I said, "What?" And I saw I saw you run. And then, like a like a like a cartoon, I saw like twenty guards chasing after you. Like three <laughs> seconds later, yeah, because you couldn't. <laughs> that stop was a stealing. little after launch, but yeah, that was that was pretty close to launch. Well, yeah, uh, well, that was the that was like towards the end. Yeah, before it went or right when it went free to play, I think is actually when we did that. Uh, well, day one when it maybe. still had a subscription service cost. Uh, Jonathan, Dylan, all of his friends, and I had gotten on and were playing. And it became apparently obvious, like to us that are evidently, uh, it, it had become that the game is designed in such a way where you're supposed to play with each other, as all MMOs are supposed to do. But you have this thing where, like, you party up, and then the game doesn't account for you being in a group. And I know it's a hard thing to pull off, but it's something that really pulls away from wanting to feel like you're grouping up or, or the deal with grouping up because of all the pains it causes. One of the examples is it was like, hey, you've got to sneak and go steal this scroll off a pedestal. And the problem is, is that when you're in a party, one person doing it doesn't do it for everyone, which I can kind of understand because they want each person to do those things. But then the other problem that you run into is that then you're playing this situation where if you have a, a party of four people, four people have to sit there, sneak, steal a scroll, wait for it to respawn, next person, sneak, steal a scroll. And it's kind of like the game is more efficient if we play it ourselves with this type of design, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's it's kind of like that where Destiny has this problem of realistically – you it, it makes even more sense. You did every bit of Witch Queen. You just didn't do it under your account, so it doesn't count for you. That makes zero sense. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I consider there's always this weird fine line with game design for online games where I know they're trying to not take away the challenge, but I don't know how telling somebody to, hey, hop on and help your friend do Witch Queen but you're not going to get anything for it besides the normal drops. You're not going to, it's not going to consider it complete on your character. It's not going to let you get the 15, 20 or whatever set of gear that you were guaranteed and the exotic. It makes no sense. So that's unfortunate that you have to do it again or just exist in a world where you don't have it completed on your character. That makes so much more sense. Cause I, I muted cause I dropped my phone and I come back and I hear, it doesn't make sense that you didn't complete it on your character, so you didn't get it. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? If he didn't complete it on his account, he doesn't get it. What do you mean? <laughs> it was the most confusing way to come back into that conversation. <laughs> well, Chris, I mean, I don't. you didn't do much of it, but I know that you very, very lightly toyed around with Witch Queen when it first dropped. Yeah, probably right? the first two missions. Yeah, with Sean, right? Or did you play yeah. by yourself? No, with Sean. Okay. We did it on Legendary. Okay, so did Sean join you or did you join Sean? I think I joined him. So the problem that comes up is that if you would have played the entire thing joining him, the game would have considered you to have not completed the Witch Queen campaign. That's insane. Yeah, it's stupid. I I figured that out eventually. I was just, all I heard when I looked back up was just uh, 
well, if you didn't do it on your account, it doesn't make sense that you didn't get it on your account. And I was like, what do you mean, Brett? <laughs> but yes, now now we're in the clear. My tangent's over. Well, anyway, what else have you been playing? <laughs> Chris got that Destiny 2 Platinum. He said, never again. <laughs> That's actually kind of exactly what happened, yeah. It's still installed. It's like a Mercy install. Mercy 90 games. Oh, dude. Every, every now and then it'll update for me, and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was having a good time with Witch Queen, but as soon as it was done, I was just kind of like, meh, we I, are where I, we are. I kind of just don't want to get like a text from Sean and then be like, hey, man, I could use some help on Destiny, and me having to say, yeah, I got to install it. Give me an hour and a half. I feel like that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, lobbing it over to you. What you been playing oh. this week? Um, I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show, making some progress there. And I was playing a yet? lot of, uh, no, I haven't gotten it yet. I could, I should just get it, but I don't know. It's not, number 99 had a, had a game that I was playing for it. And I don't know if I still will be, which is Fallout New Vegas. I might be done with that game. Tell us, uh, tell us your chronicles of what's going on there. It runs so bad. So bad. I'm like kind of blown away because I've never had these problems before. Mm-hmm. With a with a Bethesda game, like I've been one of the lucky few who's like, yeah, I, I don't know bugs Bethesda. That doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, this game just doesn't work, <laughs> and it's super disappointing. You know, this is one of those arguments towards enhanced backwards compatibility. Yeah, and Xbox, if I'm not <clears throat> mistaken, has this game enhanced backwards compatible. It does, it's where it runs at a higher resolution. And probably at this point on Series X or Series S even, maybe, an enhanced frame rate, which are two things that this game absolutely needs. <laughs> See, I don't hindsight. think it needs the frame rate. I don't. I think it needs the stability boost. <laughs> well, I will tell you, well, well, okay, here's the thing. It needs to run at the actual frame rate it's targeting. Because oh, part well, of what you're dealing yeah. with right now is that it's running at like what 15, 10 frames per second sometimes. Oh no, now and then crashing others. It was the worst because I was having a session last night, the one I before I just took it out of my PlayStation, um, where it was running fine, and then I went into Vats and killed something, and it was doing mm-hmm. about one frame a minute, not second. I'm not misspeaking. It was doing about one frame per minute. So that one Vats kill took. 10 minutes of my time once i got out of it i paused the game saved it and put it back on the shelf um but there's also i I am i implore you i really genuinely implore you for the sake of seeing okay because we were talking about it last night ps now you can Mm -hmm. upload your save to the cloud from the playstation 3 and then download it to your ps now virtual system and it'll play from there or whatever and I think you should try it. Okay. For stri- not to say that you need to play the rest of the game that way, though you could, since you're so close to the plat, I would imagine. I you're however close. close. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the reason I say that is that, A, it's a server instance of PlayStation uh, Silicone. Yeah. They're much newer than the PlayStation that you're playing on. And as much as weird as it is, you're exactly <clears throat> like me in the sense that I, on my original PS3, did not have any problems with Skyrim. And right. yet... I had it on a different one. So different silicone actually does seem to have an impact as to how well the game seems to work, even with potential for bugs like Skyrim's memory leak issue where the save file would get too big that it would just start corrupting itself in Mm -hmm. a multitude of strange ways. I never had that happen. I remember 
looking at my save file after that was announced and be yeah. like, once it goes over 50 megabytes, I'm done. And then it got like to 51. And I was like, okay. And kept playing. Good. And then it got to like 54. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then suddenly I was at like 70 megabytes. And I was like, I guess I'm just not going to have any issues. And I beat the whole game. <laughs> you know? So, so that's one that's, that's worrying me because I'm interested in going back to like OG Skyrim. Because I have the PS3 version, and that would be like as close to probably 2011 Skyrim you can get in 2022. And I'm worried yeah. that I'll like play that game, love it on PS3, and then just not be able to play it at like the end game. Because that's the worst part of these glitches. Is it's like I'm 30 hours. They happen 40 Vegas. hours in, right? Like yeah. I'm committed. I just took out a bunch of Caesar's Legion. Like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's an issue, but I'll tell you. Um, well, I guess I don't want to steal it away from you, but because it's pertinent to the conversation, I told you that I've been playing Infamous Two, yeah, through PS Now on my PC, and the reason being is I was sitting there thinking my PlayStation Three is in there and it's hooked up, and I have mm-hmm. Infamous Two and I can play it, no problem. But I was also thinking, man, my, my TV in here is a 4K TV. It's going to be trying to stretch a 720p image to 4K. And whenever I've replayed the original Nier and Dragon Guard 3 on the TV, it's very blocky in some areas. Um, and I was like, man, at that point, my, t- my, my computer monitor is smaller, so it's, it doesn't have to stretch as far. It's 1440p. It's, a, it's closer to the native resolution. My play, I, I couldn't stream on my PS5 very con, con, uh, confidently because I don't have hardwire in there. So mm-hmm. I was like, my PC is hardwired to the internet. I'm just going to try that because I played Infamous 2 a little bit on my PS5 just to try PS Now a while back. And it wasn't bad, but it, it had some obvious latency. Well, playing it on my, play, on my PC... It looks surprisingly good. Very seldom are there like little moments where I'm like, I can tell I'm streaming this, but it's not terrible. And the craziest thing is that the input is almost flawless. It, really? I can't tell that I'm streaming it from a how I'm playing it standpoint. Uh, and much like you said with Fallout, Infamous 2 runs at 30 frames per second, and I'm actually not having a problem at all with it, despite coming off of Ghostwire Tokyo at 60 and Gran Turismo at 60. So it's interesting. I think certain games, you can be blind to it if the game works well within its frame limit. Well, I think you just got (coughs) to go in with those expectations. Because I'm also playing, um, let me see, so I can get the title right. Uh, The Bureau XCOM Declassified. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that game does not run at 60, but it's kind of like I accept it when I go on PS3. And then you kind of just get used to it. And then, you know, 30 hours of New Vegas later, I'm totally fine. And it doesn't bother me. But I don't know. That game's weird. That that game's title screen runs at like 10 FPS, but then everything else runs fine. It's kind of crazy. Like the Unreal <laughs> the logo will come up and like, yeah, be glitching out in like five frames a second. And then the game, to- totally fine. Yeah, that is it's, strange. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting game. Well, I'll say the biggest... The biggest question around PS now that I have now is I've probably played from lunch today and last night when I started and then a little bit that I played before we started today. I've played probably four or five hours, zero issues. Never yeah. have I been disconnected. Never have I had the quality drop crazy where it, like, you know, it comes up and it looks like a pixel blur. It hasn't happened. And I've not had a single moment of where my input screwed up. 
Uh, so in that sense, I'm like, I could play this whole game on here. The question <laughs> for me is I do not have unlimited data for my internet provider because I never hit the data cap that I have. So I'm like, why would I pay the extra money per month? But I am a little worried that game streaming probably will make me hit that. Well, <laughs> you can just check. They have they usually list like how much it uses. Like you can probably figure I'm going that out. To. And I, I normally yeah, I have like a 200 gig or so buffer, so I can probably pull it off. But that's probably the biggest question when you're doing that stuff is like, well, how much of a hit is it going to have? Uh, so either way, I've been very much enjoying it. I think I might start playing certain games that I don't feel like having to buy again, like Sonic Generations, and just play them on my PC. Yeah. Stream through now. If 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 <clears throat> every one of those games seems to have... Because I played Sonic Generations on PS5, and it was playable, but for a Sonic game, it's like, ah, this... I slight like delay it, in, in control is an issue but if it, it, yeah. it you know if it's not on pc it's worth it right i think that it really just depends on the type of game like because i i mentioned to you i was going to try kill zone 2 mm-hmm. on it yep couldn't it was unplayable for me couldn't i couldn't even aim so are you hard I, I are you playing. hardwired uh no, internet for your console no but See, i have good internet that makes that makes a huge difference. I have I have solid internet, but like I, whenever I was playing Sonic Adventure Two with you the other day, when we were in the party and going yeah. through and playing City Escape, I was yeah. having very I was having light issues there because for some reason my Wi-Fi was just like, yeah, we're just going to be at like five megabits per second tonight for some reason, yeah. and you don't have that issue with hardwired in the same way. That's so true. Do, like That's just about- to compare, I I started up Sonic Adventure Two right before I started Infamous, played the opening level because I've been. I've been so Jones and playing Sonic. I don't get it, but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was solid. It was great. Um, but anyway, moving on along, I, I will say that one thing that if you're new here, this is typically we would move into the community's take. But as I went back, because I was like, what was our community's take? And then I went back and listened to the end of the episode. We didn't give one that I can tell. Uh, I, I really went as far back as I could to where it sounded like it was right. And I did, I never heard I us bring one to the up. Episode we didn't bring one up. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> so that's uh, that's kind of on us. And I apologize. I thought about making one up, but I was like, I'm just gonna let it go. This is a new week, new schedule. We'll we'll go into our thing, and we'll come up with one today uh, for next week's, and get back on our normal train. So instead of going into our community's take, which is normally where we ask you guys to uh, give us your feedback on a topic so that we can kind of get a more nuanced and wide berth of opinions about them. We will be back with that next week. We appreciate that. Uh, But we're going to go ahead and go into the news. And the first thing for the news this week is some great news that has taken a little bit too long, in my opinion, but a new patch for Spider-Man on PS5 adds 120 hertz and VRR support to the title with both options on. The frame rate is unlocked in various uh, varies based on gameplay. Now, with that in mind, that clearly means that Sony is bringing VRR support to PS5 this week, uh, and this feature was technically an Xbox exclusive feature for next-gen consoles up until now, and is a welcome feature for the platform. Only TVs and monitors with HDMI 2.1 will support the feature, and games will be updated to utilize it, quote, soon, as we're seeing with Spider-Man that's already coming along, uh, which is no surprise. Uh so just because a TV has HDMI 2.1 support does not mean that it has variable refresh rate support. Just to clear that up, your actual screen has to support VRR on top of that. So 
if you're looking at your TV and you're curious, look up your brand, look up your TV, and see if it's got VRR support or if it's getting an update like some of Sony's Bravia TVs are. Um, let's see. <sighs> Next thing up on the news, or actually, I guess, Chris, do you have anything that you would like to say in regards to uh, no, VRR um, support? No, my, my TV doesn't support it, so... I'm Mine doesn't either. <laughs> yeah. You know what sucks is I bought my OLED right before the model that came out with VR. Uh, at the time, I didn't think consoles were going to get it. I'm glad that they did, but I wasn't worried about it. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how it always goes, right? Yeah, but oh well. You know, I'm happy with VRR because I, I have VRR on my monitor. Yeah. So realistically, if I if I ever wanted to benefit from it, I just do, do it that. there. Yeah, but that really probably means I'm playing a game that supports it better on the PC side anyway. The real question that's going to come to this, and I haven't really looked into it on the Xbox side, so someone with one of these TVs and an Xbox may already know the answer to this, but I'm wondering how well it's implemented in console gaming and how well it actually works, or if there's some kind of growing pain that they're going to have to slowly work their way through. But I guess that'll be something we learn in the long run. If I ever want to spend $1,600 or $1,400 on TV again, <laughs> I'll buy the new OLED <laughs> with, yeah. with VRR support. But until then, I'm very happy with my TV. Uh, so next thing up, PlayStation seems to be taking the lack of PS3 emulation on PS5 seriously. Garrett Friedley, who previously worked on mobile titles for Kablam, tweeted today that he has joined a new team at Sony working on preservation. His tweet reads as follows, quote, Today is my first day as a senior build engineer for PlayStation, working as one of their initial hires for the newly cr uh, created preservation team, end quote, Freely wrote. Um, this is, I'm glad to hear this, but I'm very curious as to what this really entails. Mm. Do you have any idea of what you hope it is or think it might be one or the other? I mean, obviously I hope it's them taking games and bringing them forward so that they're at least playable on PS3. What I'd imagine this is, is a bunch of people PS5, getting source codes. Five, yes. Yeah, what did I say? PS3. <laughs> playable oh. on PS3. <laughs> okay, I mean, PS3 games should be playable on PS3. So I mean, clearly New Vegas isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe he can fix that for me. No, but... I mean, technically, I, I, if we're talking preservation... PS3, the model I have, is the best that PlayStation has ever done. It plays PS1, PS2, and PS3 all from the disc. True. So, I mean... Anyway, go ahead. Um, no, but I, I'd imagine that this is a lot of like, hey, could you make sure this source code stays safe forever? <laughs> I don't know Man, that this I, is know, necessarily going to be anything for actual for gamers playing games, you know? I didn't view it in that way because it seems like it'd be a weird thing for someone to tweet out. But you're technically you're technically right. This could be so that Sony doesn't have these moments of like, well, we don't want to be like Square Enix where every game that we go to remaster, we have to remake half of it because the, the source code and the master code is just damaged and gone. So this could be creating a thing. But I don't think that that would really be a preservation team in that way, right? I mean, that's something that the industry as a whole has switched to. So if, if it's a game that you've already lost code for, it's not like a preservation team is going to do anything unless the job of the preservation team in this case is to find and secure the remaining source code that you might have for something and then rebuild it back out the original way. But that's, I don't think they would do that. 
less they were doing a remake. So doing something where it's like, well, we have this aspect and this aspect, so we need to try and rebuild this aspect enough to where we can build the new engines on top of it. Kind of like with uh, Demon Souls where they did new new physics on top of it and, of course, a new graphic engine, new collision engine. Um, so I, I don't know. I My real question, and this is a real thing where it's it all depends on tech, and if someone out there listening to this understands it far more than I do, I would love for you to throw some explanations my way that make it make sense to me. But Chris, uh, you and I, last time that we were playing uh, Borderlands or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> Tiny Tina's Wonderland, yeah. we were talking about this idea of somebody who came on, uh, what is it, Dead Silicone or whatever his, his name is. Um, yep. And he Moore's was talking Law's about Dead. PlayStation 3. Yeah, Moore's Law is Dead. Um, he was talking about PS3 emulation and that from what he's heard, that this has been something that Sony has been working on, but that the problem is, is that they build an emulator and then it only works for one game. And then they have to basically rebuild an entire emulator for another game. And this is where potentially my technical understanding is leaving me. But I find that to be such a weird way of working because I would have, you know, when you look at what an emulator is supposed to do, unless I am fundamentally misunderstanding them, an emulator is essentially supposed to emulate the console environment so that then when you throw cold code from that console onto that environment, it sparses it out and digitally recreates what that console was having to do physically and then transferring that into the physical aspects of what your computer or, you know, compute device actually does. And to that end, it seems so weird to me to think that you build an emulator and then it works with like two games. And then if you want it to work with this game, you have to build essentially a bespoke emulator that benefits from the way that that game chose to utilize PlayStation 3's hardware. I would feel like in my very simple understanding potentially that you would just need to make sure that you really perfect all the elements of this emulator to where win a game that chose to use an obtuse method but still worked within the PlayStation 3's base system that it would tap into it and emulate that well. I don't really understand the need for a separate emulator per title, but that's kind of what's been being thought. And something kind of came from that conversation that's obvious, which is sooner or later, Sony's going to want it because as I'm playing PS Now right now, for a PS3 game, which is happening on a PS3, the first thing that I think everyone's thinking of is if the silicone on that server rack starts to die, Sony has to replace it by building new PS3 silicone, which is very outdated and costly tech because it's inefficient by comparison to what we can do today. But the other benefit is that realistically, if they can find a way to emulate PlayStation 3 mostly perfectly on PS5, then you can replace all this server usage that you're having to dedicate towards PS3 silicone with PS5 silicone so that not only can people stream PS5 games, but they can stream PS3 games still from your service within that single server and you're not having to take up space with old silicone that only serves to benefit one console's games. And I think that might be the biggest reason why Sony would have in the long run to really figure this out because then they can utilize that in their server access and get rid of all that PS3. Um, but I don't know. 
Yeah. That's kind of kind of where we are. We'll see. This seems like one of those teams that we found out about and Sony will never mention again. <laughs> well, like we found out about it, but technically Sony has never officially said anything. Oh. Right? I mean, we found I guess. out about it through a we found out about it through a tweet of an employee. Sony as a corporation didn't go, hey guys, this is President Jim Ryan coming here to tell you that as of today, we are announcing that we have created the preservation team and we will be working with them to try and get as many of our games up and play. That didn't happen. There's not an official statement about this. There's someone who's shedding some light on something that we otherwise probably wouldn't know about. Gotcha. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. We'll definitely see. Yeah. Here, here's the age-old question, though, Chris. Yes. Say that say that New Vegas becomes playable, not natively, because mm-hmm. technically it wouldn't be, but say it becomes playable through a download, not streaming, on PS5. Are uh-huh. you going to play it there? Probably, yeah. The reason I ask is because you were talking about how there's something that's quaint and charming that you find mm-hmm. for about playing PS3. PS3 on PS3. Yeah. That's true, um, but I think if there was a PS5 version, I would play that. Um, but I I do prefer playing on my PS3 right now. So there's that argument. If you have, Maybe if it works on PS5, I'll play it. I mean, true, but let's say uh, let's put it for a game that that isn't broken, right? Let's say Infamous Two runs perfectly fine on PS3. Mm-hmm. But let's just say that they get Infamous 2 working and they re-release it as a PS5 version that's using backwards compatibility to play it. You know the game works either way. Which console do you choose to play it on and why? Do I think the only reason I would have to play it on PS5 is if there were upgrades to it. If it was the same base game, it, I would probably play it on PS3. Unless you were going to be here and be like, this is a bespoke PS5 version with its own trophy list. And then I'd play it on both. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's my real question, because you were talking about it the other day. If we if we looked and said, listen, guys, this is essentially a PS3 emulator. Nothing else is happening to the game besides the fact that it's on a SSD. Therefore, the game is inherently going to load much quicker as a result of that. Would the load times enough uh, alone be enough to pull you from minute and a half load times on, you know, or four minute load times sometimes on PlayStation 3 to maybe a minute load time on PS5. Would that be enough to to sway you? Or is the quaintness of actually having to use the DualShock 3 and the and the actual PS3 and XMB, is it there for you? Well, it's that is there for me, but it totally depends on the game. Like, Fallout New Vegas doesn't take that long to load, so like that wouldn't necessarily True. be a factor to me. But like Metal Gear Solid Four, from everything I've heard, takes years. So that Dude, would be probably initial, where I play there. The initial load is so long. It's like you you played Uncharted Two on PS3 originally, correct? I did. Yeah. Do you remember how long the initial load for Uncharted Two took? Oh yeah, far too long. It was. Dude, now the upside is, is it never loaded again once you were in the game. True. But you're talking about sitting there for like four minutes sometimes and being like, bro, when is yeah. the, when can I play this game? That's one of the things I'm I'm thinking about where I, I told you one of the games, because I don't know if I've talked about it on the show, but I've just been building a collection of PS3 games kind of just to have. And I bought Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 on PS3. Got the Uncharted double pack and then the Steelbook for Uncharted 3. 
I'm like, do I want to go good through and platinum? Book. It is a good looking steel book. Ironically, I actually owned that special edition when it came out. Uh, oh, I still own it. I have the steel book and the Nathan Drake figurine that came inside the, the thing. Yeah. Actually, oh, it's down here. I've got oh, it. <laughs> the, the boxing for it. Nice. Yep. Yep. And, and it came with a book. belt buckle <laughs> and the ring on a necklace. <laughs> yep. I bet the one that Tom Holland wears is just the one from the collector's edition. Like, yeah, we got this extra one laying around. Just take that. It'll be fine. I thought about that whenever they started filming. I said it would actually be funny if it was obvious to anyone who had it that he was just wearing the one from <laughs> from the collector's <laughs> the edition. edition. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, but I've no, I've been thinking like do I go platinum them again on PS3? And then there was a second part of that that I had in my head of, is Uncharted my favorite game series of all time if I do that? <laughs> Does because it have to if, be because of the labor that you put into it? Well, think about it. Because if I do it on PS3 again, and I've done it before, I've done Uncharted 2 before, if I do those again, that would be each playthrough on PS3 is three is twice. You have to play through twice. You know, I've played it through a third time. I've played it through before. Like probably going on to like six or seven playthroughs of, e- of either of these ones. So it's like, it, I feel like it kind of by default ends up being my favorite franchise, even if I don't necessarily think that way in the forefront of my brain. You know? Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I, I kind of get what you're what's coming from. I, I kind of agree in that weird sense of like Kingdom Hearts is one of my absolutely all time favorite game series of all times. But if it wasn't for as often as I've played all of them, it would feel kind of weird if someone was like, hey, what's one of your favorite game series of all time? If I didn't say Kingdom Hearts, it's like, bro, I've played all of them like three times each, if not more. Like Kingdom right. Hearts one, I've played like seven times. Yeah. Yeah. So like, at like, some point, it's just like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's one of my favorite games. <laughs> yeah. Right, but like I would never put like consciously put Uncharted Two or Uncharted One in my favorite games of all time list. It's just yeah, weird. it's weird. I absolutely love those games and adore those games as I know many do. But I, and I think at some point in time in the PS3 era, if you had asked me. Uncharted 2 probably was in my list. I, yeah. I would I would go as far as say as I remember it being in the list when I would talk about favorite games. But so much has happened since then, and so much of my gaming taste has changed, and I've been introduced to so much more, and I've had enough money in my life now that I'm an adult and have my own money to spend on games that I've bought and played and experienced so much more that I think Uncharted is still clearly a fantastic series. But I think other games have outdone it in ways that are... like far different infamous 2 is a better game to me than any uncharted game and i'm sure someone's gonna look at that and say what the fuck but that's exactly (laughs) how i feel on the inside i just think that infamous 2 is good enough in presentation it's fantastic in its story its gameplay loop is far more rewarding and varied and i think that it understands something about what players like about playing a game and interacting that uncharted doesn't have and that's not a problem for uncharted it just makes infamous to have a charm and a pull that uncharted one two or three or four doesn't have i think the closest uncharted's gotten to what i'm talking about is lost legacy yeah, games that's the best uncharted game so yeah but- I, I agree crazily enough i don't know that it's my favorite story but from a sheer playing the game standpoint it's so much more fun 
than a typical Uncharted. You know, I um, this may be a hot take. <sighs> it's gonna sound really weird, but Uncharted's not a game, and I think that's why it's easier to play. It's weird. I can't tell I if you kind... understand. And I, or I, I do. I get this. what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I get what you mean because someone's going to take this probably in the wrong way. But on the grand scheme of what we're talking about, it's it's essentially the same thing in that they're interactive. Even movies. though I love it, yeah, basically. But that's what I was gonna say. the order eighteen eighty six is not something that you just look at and scream video game. It's interactive and it's fun and I enjoy it. But it does feel and evoke more of a feeling of like you're watching a movie right. that you just have enough agency in to feel like you're more invested in a typical movie because you're doing some of the action, even if you can't really choose another route for that action. Like no matter what, you still got to hang off that train. You still right. got to climb it up to the top if you want to keep going. So it's like a, you, you don't, don't really to get like, to influence oh, gonna... the outcome, but right. you still get to be part of it. You know, I get it. It's like whenever you watch Indiana Jones or, or anybody who did as a kid and then went and played Indiana Jones in your backyard. It's because you were trying to create that feeling that you had some kind of agency in the story and you just created it separate from the screen since it didn't give you a way to do it. But Uncharted and The Order and games to that degree essentially do that. They're like, we're basically a movie. We're just giving you interaction and agency that the movie right. doesn't. Exactly. So. Yeah. And I think that might be why I'm so willing to play them over and over again, even though they don't, I don't hold them in reverence, you know? Yeah. Like they're important games and they really move the industry forward in a lot of ways. Or even if you don't want to say forward, it moved the industry in a very distinct way. And a lot of what we have in gaming now is because of Uncharted, whether yeah. you like it or not. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's 100% true. Yeah. So. But yeah, it's it's interesting. I would, you know, there's a piece of news that we're coming up to that kind of I have curiosity around. But for now, uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the next piece and we'll see what happens with PS3 emulation in the long run. Um, either way, I guess I'll, I'll wrap that up by saying I think PS3 might be one of the most important eras of gaming so far. I would agree as a big PS3 guy. Yeah, and I'm not trying to belittle or demean xbox but i think xbox resting on their laurels toward the end of the generation and playstation doubling down really created this hungry sense for playstation that i just don't think any company has quite had the same hunger and done as interesting of stuff with it as a result i agree with that so we will see i guess the difference is always that xbox has had microsoft at its back sony's yeah. always been like PlayStation for a while was like their most profitable thing. So it was like, dude, we got to keep this afloat, guys. <laughs> All stuff thrown out. out. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, selling all of your other businesses to make sure you don't have to shutter your most profitable one is a pretty telling move. Being like, listen, guys, we can't have Sony Ericsson phones anymore. We just got to drop that. We can't have Vio computers. Are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> I wonder if so, Sony ever just become PlayStation. I've wondered that a few times, but I think Sony has such a legacy in the name that it'd be a shame to see them lose that. They would. You're not wrong. Yeah. 
Also, then would it become the, the PlayStation, PlayStation 6 <laughs> instead of the Sony PlayStation 6? You know what I mean? No, because it would be just the... the okay, hear me out. The console is just called 6. <laughs> this is the 6. No, 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 because <laughs> then you would announce it this way. This is the PlayStation 6. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I feel you. Easy. All right. Moving on to the next piece Call of me, news Jim. here. <laughs> While Saul continues to munch down on his dinner that he has to have. Uh, Saul, hope it's delicioso. Good man. Uh, let's see. We have... Oh, it's a me, the pizza man. <laughs> EA and Respawn have finally announced that the game's 13th season... What game? We talking about Apex here, Chris? You oh, yeah, definitely that. about Apex. Whoops. EA and Respawn have finally announced that Apex's 13th <laughs> season is releasing on May 10th with Saviors comes a new legend, Newcastle, who appears in the trailer with a large shield and appears to be a more defensive legend. Respawn says that the new season will also bring changes to the ranked system, and hopefully they nail the execution as the ranked modes have needed a refresh for a while. Hopefully Respawn will finally work in ranked duos and cross-progression this season too. Clearly, that was all from the mind of Chris. So Chris, I'm going to turn the microphone over to you. Wash everyone over with your Apex wishes. <laughs> no, I just I want the game to be a little bit more balanced. I actually haven't played any of Apex Season 12. Me and Sean have played like a total of five games this season. It's been a good. It's going to be a good a good break. I think the game's become a little stagnant. Um, but well, do you feel like still... all games like this have that? Like, there's going to be a point where you've just played enough of it that you need to take a break, right? Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a factor. Like, I think both me and Sean were kind of like, yeah, we're, we're good. I didn't want to play without him, and he was ready to be done. And then it's gotten to a point where I'm like, I'm ready to be done for a little bit. So <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. Um, well, and when you play so many of those, like with Sean being such a big Destiny fan, it's so hard to be dedicated to Destiny and dedicated to Apex because between that, you have zero room for any other game, I would imagine. Like, it's just, you feel no. so inundated by your need to play these two games that you're so into and you've devoted so much time into. So there's that need to keep feeding it because it's it's like the, yeah. the fallacy of lost time where it's like, I, mm -hmm. I don't want to have wasted my time, so I got to keep going. Yeah. And uh, I just no. like, you know, I hear people that do that and they're like, well, I've been meaning to play Ghost of Tsushima. It's like, bro, Ghost of Tsushima came out in 2019. What are you doing? 2020, yeah. whatever year it was. <laughs> but it's like, if you really wanted to play it, but he you've been so it. slave to Destiny and Apex, but, you know. <clears throat> it's funny because Sean is one of the most impressive gamers I've ever met because he'll, he'll, he plays both of these gigantic games, time sinks, and then he'll do stuff like, he beat all of the Yakuza games back to back while playing these other games. I'm like, how did you do that? <coughs> like he he did one, two, I think he did Kiwami, Kiwami two, and then he watched like four and five. He played three, and then he did six and seven. I'm like, how did you do that in this amount of time? He's almost done with Tale of Zora Rise. He bought it during the spring sale. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I'll say this is a this is a commentary on podcasting. 
Yeah. And plenty of other life decisions, to be fair, right? Like, I have a kid. I know he doesn't have a kid. I have a wife. I don't know his relationship status. Not no. that maybe, and, and every relationship status differs between, like, even though I have a wife, she's pretty cool with me playing almost as much games as I want to play. But then you have the podcast, and it's like, we have to, every week, dedicate two or so, sometimes three hours to essentially setting up recording, recording getting done. Then we have to dedicate so much time to editing, uploading, creating thumbnails, or talking with the community. And I love talking with the community, but that's time that I could spend doing something else. And so you, sometimes you start to think of it. It's like I could actually do way more of the hobby that we're spending time doing on if I didn't <laughs> do this. Right. That's Unfortunately. But I enjoy talking about it and I enjoy keeping up with the news, but you know, technically if I went dark with the news and just played things I wanted to play as I saw them naturally, who knows what I could have played by now. Maybe I'd have played Elden Ring. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you'll finally play Wanted and Wolverine. Yeah, but instead I'm playing Infamous 2. Also, I was like, I'm going to try and play Wolverine first, but I knew, man, I've been having that Infamous 2 hankering. And as soon as I booted up and started playing, I said, oh yeah, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Like I got validation almost immediately. No, I get that. That's how I'm going to feel when I load up Fallout 3 finally. Because I'm one trophy away and it just stops working. By the way, Brett, yes, my dinner was delicious. I'm glad, man. That was good. What'd you eat? Let's fill the audience in real quick. I had a honey turkey sandwich on brioche bun with uh, pepper jack cheese. And honey Chick-fil-A turkey. Sauce. All right. I'm a honey ham man, so I'll tell you that's honey turkey. I'm gonna try this. I haven't. I haven't tried that. Pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. My dinner was uh, essentially pot roast that my wife was, or not? Yeah, pot roast that my wife was too stubborn to call pot roast because she was trying to make stew. Trying, so to, make, trying to make big what? chunks of meat. <laughs> she was trying to make stew. Oh, but it was essentially big chunks of meat with. Big round tomato, you know, the little round tomato or, or potatoes, rather, uh, baby carrots and celery. It was delicious, but it was essentially glorified pot roast. But that's okay. I it was, love it was good. pot roast. Yep. Fall 20. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I had some ideas can, for specials that work for 420. I wanted to you? do a taco pizza. Except it was literally a pizza folded in half, filled with taco meat and sour cream. And just that's Dude, our 420 special. Honestly, why not? Because whenever yeah. I was poor and young and all we had were those little $1 Totino's p- party pizzas. They were delicious. Microwave, folded up as a taco, eat that thing like a taco. And you're not going microwave. That's it. the best part. Cold? Yeah, I know. No, no, that, no, you're not. No, you're you're not. Like, they say don't microwave, and yet oh. I've never cooked one any way other than microwaving Dude, them. You gotta go out. Do me this favor right now. Not right now. We're recording a podcast. Do it after the podcast. Go and get one and do it in the oven. It's it will blow your mind how much better it is because I did that with pizza rolls once. Because with pizza rolls, you just oh, throw a bunch on a plate. Half of them aren't even cooked when you're eating them. But pizza rolls are delicious out of yeah. the yes. Also, yeah. pizza rolls have finally included instructions on the newest packages on how to uh, how to uh, air fry them, and they're delicious really? from the air fryer as well. I might just so get some pizza that rolls there. when I can walk again and put well, them. Look, in I'm going to tell fryer. you, I never put them into the oven pizza rolls until and, and it came after. But essentially, 
I kind of oven cooked them one way. I made Saul knows this, and some of the people from the show actually made it after I talked about it. But I made pizza roll casserole, pizza roll lasagna, whatever you want to call it. I got. I got combination, uh, I got pepperoni pizza rolls, combination pizza rolls, and the cheese ones. And I did a layer of pepperoni at the bottom, poured marinara all over the top of it, put a layer of cheese yeah. and pepperoni. And then I put the combinations one or put cheese in the middle and then the, the cheese pizza rolls or whatever, and then covered them with marinara sauce and then layer of cheese, pepperonis. And then I put the combination ones on top, one more layer of cheese, marinara, pepperoni, all that. And then I baked it. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. That to the point where I was like, good. it doesn't even it doesn't even taste like pizza rolls the way that yeah. I'd remembered them because I'd only ever microwaved them. So the next time we got pizza rolls, I was like, I'm cooking these things in the oven <laughs> because clearly something happens when you cook them correctly. Yeah. Hear me out. And yeah, on, on this, it's hard to go back. On this idea, right? It's a, a pizza, it's just a regular cheese pizza, but inside the crust is pizza rolls. Oh my god! Yeah, you just roll the crust over, yeah, and then press it down. Yeah. So you got I'm, pizza, I'm and then when the pizza's done, there's more pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Little Caesars right now has pepperoni cheese stuffed crust? So it's like inside the crust is cheese and pepperoni, and it's kind of going toward that same rough route. But I mm-hmm. think your idea is even better. That would be yeah. a cool, like homemade, like make your own pizza dough, roll it out, and then just put some of those in there, and then fold them over it. I can see, see that being is, quite good. I have the ability to do this in a pizza oven with like proper pizza dough. I might, well, yeah, do with it. like an actual brick oven. Yes, or like I might a, just do okay. it at work. I think I'm going to. I'll send a if picture. If you do, I'm going to be very. Discourse, I'm going to so. be. Uh, I'm going to be sad because I can't partake. <laughs> That's going to be the worst part. I'll freeze dry a piece and send it over to you guys. I'll send one for you, one for Saul. <laughs> That'd be lovely. <laughs> Actually, Chris, I forgot to do it today, but tomorrow I am sending your blueberry pretzels. I'm looking forward so. to that. Those are really good. Oh, for they Bucky's? are very good. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm sad he couldn't find any substitute in his area. No. So while we were in Dallas this weekend, and all my love for my wife and our anniversary, we, we stopped at Bucky's and said, <laughs> baby, I have to get Chris blueberry pretzels. It's important. <laughs> It is important. You put a staple of my life, and I only get to have it once. It was, it was yeah. Now you've rectified the situation. It's perfect. Look, man. Every time I go to Dallas now, I will stop at Bucky's and I will get you a bag <laughs> and I will mail you them. Okay. That's Don't worry. Best. Look, you you've sent me Wanted and and left me Wolverine. At the the least I could do at this point. <laughs> It sends you a couple bags of, of pretzels every now and then, you know? It, we That's have a mutually fair. beneficial relationship. Maybe I'll want to borrow a random PS3 find that you got, and we can just, I'll ship you some pretzels. Yeah. I get the game, you know, and then you Have can you ever, find some weird uh, <laughs> Connecticut cuisine I haven't had that's easy to mail, and then I can resend your game to you for, you know, some kind of delicacy. I'll send you a New Haven pizza, best pizza in the world. I heard you saying that on, on uh, or I saw you rather saying that on Facebook the other day that Connecticut has to be best pizza and no one's ready to have that conversation. Yep. It's a bold, it's a bold throw out. I'm not it's saying you're wrong. I'm saying it's true. bold. People, it's just because people only think of Connecticut as the bridge to New York and Mass. And that's fine. <laughs> but New York or New Haven has three of the best pizza places in the country. And you can, you can doubt me all you want when you go to there. Awesome Dave, like, I know, as is, is a Connecticut resident, he can go look. He knows. He can, he can agree. Awesome Dave, we are calling upon you. 
you must reach out and tell us if you concur with Chris's his his statement, his fact, as he's going to say, <laughs> that Connecticut is the home of the best pizza. But uh, this weird food tangent that we got on, let's let's continue moving on with the news. <laughs> Either way, Saul, I'm glad you enjoyed your dinner. It was good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The next thing up is Uncharted. Speaking of, Legacy of Thieves Collection is seemingly set to release on PC in June. This information comes from the Epic Game Store listing, the June 20th date. So if you've been waiting to play the game uh, to see what the PC version will offer instead of playing the PS5 version, you don't have long to wait. I am a little surprised at how long the gap was between these two. When they initially announced they were like, the console version is this date and the PC version will be shortly after. I wouldn't have thought shortly after it would be like five months later. Yeah, that's not shortly after. But, you know, it's I guess like it's after. still coming. While we're talking about Uncharted, uh, a little interesting thing that came out, a Naughty Dog recruiter who recently was hired to the company nice. appears to have accidentally let it slip that Uncharted will be getting more titles from Naughty Dog as her LinkedIn status uh, or states quote, finds talent at every level, and it's unique to be able to create future teams not only for new titles, but also for the Uncharted legacy, end quote. So that definitely seems to hint at the fact that before, a lot of people thought maybe Uncharted would go on, but it wouldn't be Naughty Dog. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people look at Naughty Dog as that sing- single dev team. You know, they broke off that one time to do uh, essentially Uncharted 3 and then The Last of Us, but then they had to come back together to do Uncharted 4 and get it out the door. Um, and they never quite broke back out. But there's been hints of games and products that they have coming that seem like you're going to have to have multiple teams. Uh, so Uncharted might still be in the, the works, specifically at Naughty Dog. You guys think it's going to be uh, his daughter? Yeah, I already have a, I already know what the story is going to be. I already know it. Regalus. Regalus. Go ahead. So it's going to be like 10 years past the end of Uncharted. It's Drake has been kidnapped. So <laughs> Cassie at you know let's say okay let's say just to get every character in that we can get a little bit of closure on everyone at sully's funeral on the way home oh my god truck well okay sully's like 80 years old Dude, you're dude's right gonna, you're right gonna pass. My, my guy's old yeah so it's gonna start off with sully's funeral and then a truck is going to hit Nate, Nate and Elena's car. Elena is going to be grievously injured in the crash. We don't know what happens. Nate is taken away. Immediately, Cassie was her name, right? Yep. So Cassie is in the hospital. He's freaking out. And then we see her just crying in the hospital. And then we hear boots. Kind of like the Batman, how you hear Bruce Wayne's boots. So we hear that. And it's Chloe Frazier. She comes out and she's like, I heard your fa- I heard your father. You guys were in an accident. I'm sorry. How's your father? Blah 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 blah. And Cassie's like, my father's been taken. So they leave. They leave. And they and go. You're and they me go this on is this a Chloe adventure. Cassie. I'm telling you, this is a Chloe up? Cassie team up. Yes. And I'm telling okay. you that the villain is going to be. You know that Chloe Veach. will be just as old as as Drake, right? <laughs> yeah. Should no no. She'll oh, she's going to be the Sully of it though. She'll be just as old as Sully. Yeah, she'll be the Sully of the situation. I got you. I feel. And the villain is all of the children 
of the people that Nathan Drake has murdered <laughs> throughout his entire life. <laughs> That's a lot of people. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's only the people that he knows he murdered. Because let's be honest, so Drake like does not Lazarvich. acknowledge the th- Yeah, it'll be Lazarvich's kid is like the ringleader. Or you think what he's the ringleader, Dante? but he dies early. Dante's kid's Abyss. in there. Eh. Okay. Maybe the back well, will make from Abyss. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. Dante's kid, Rafe's kid, all of these kids are going to come together. Then they'll all kind of betray themselves, blah, 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 blah. But then Marlo's Cassie's, kid, it turns out, it's her kid with Sully. Yes. And then her kid ends up joining forces with them. And then we get Uncharted 6, and it's a co-op game with Nate. Yeah. Has and, to happen that way, right? Because Sully's, Sully yeah. would like that the, the child would be having like the, the evil and deceptiveness of, of Marlo, but then the kind-heartedness, but still deceptive as a thief needs to be of, of yep. Drake. I mean, I'm sorry, of Sully. And he's like, ah, I've got to follow in my father's footsteps and, and right. got to turn and my he, back. If you think about it, the real twist is that he is actually the main villain, but he works with you throughout the entire game because, you know, Chloe sees and him it, and it reminds him of a young Sully. It reminds him of Wal- her of Mark Wahlberg. So he's there chopping on a cigar. <laughs> brings it, it, she, So they bring him into the fold. Turns out, in typical Uncharted fashion, they were just trying to convince Cassie and Chloe that they were in danger, but they really were being used to find out the location of the treasure, and the treasure is actually Nathan Drake, and that's the whole game. Uncharted Uncharted 5. And since it's his past catching up to him for all the murders he's committed, it's Uncharted 5 Ludo, for Ludo narrative distance. (laughs) (laughs) It's Uncharted 5. Ludo among thieves. (laughs) Oh, man. I'll tell you... Of course, the, the, of the, the ending that Nate is the treasure and that they need them to find Nate is completely nonsensical. But I get your joke nonetheless. But look, no, for real, going back to the other thing, I actually like some of the ideas if they could find a way to smoothly play these in. I think using somebody who is Nate's, uh, or sorry, Sully's illegitimate son, but we're mm-hmm. not even entirely sure. Like we see Sullyisms in him, and maybe yeah. kind of looks like him, but you're still unsure. You're like, is this dude even Sully's son? But they, you start to build that connection. They throw a little couple of Sully-like behaviors that are in there. And you start to like, you're missing Sully because you're like, you're mourning the loss of him that you didn't even really get to experience. And then the game is playing on that by introducing a character who fills that role. See, I could be, that could be pretty good. I don't think you hint that it's Sully's kid. I think you make it very clear. Like, I'm telling you, when you first see that dude, he's leaning against the door with a cigar in his mouth. Yeah, in a green shirt. A good example. It's Sully. Yeah, but a good example is think about. Think about Nate in general, and, and in case for some reason you think this is a spoiler at this point, I'm sorry. I think it's okay to spoil a 15-year-old game at this point. Yes. Nate is, at least as far as the games go to tell us, at first he wants everyone to believe that he is a Drake, and he's a, a descendant of Francis Drake. But later the game plays into the fact that that is not his actual family's name, and that's more of like this could be or couldn't be delusion that his parents were kind of selling to him uh, based off of something. And so I like that idea where it's like he's giving you this confidence and showing you and making you think of Sully and even telling you he's Sully's kid. But deep down inside, you're like, there's no way for me to know for sure that this is actually Sully's kid. Yeah. And is he just using this to get into our group? But then he builds that connection anyway, but then breaks it down. Because he's Sully's kid, but raised by Marlo. 
Yeah. There you go. So he still has that deceptiveness in him. Well, let me ask a question. Do they, in Uncharted, do they ever tell you what his actual last name is? I want to say that it's somewhere that you can either read or it's said in three. There's a yeah. scene where you sit down at the table with Marlo and she like kind of gives you like as Drake and she kind of gives you your life story, like life story. And he's kind of like, oh, you know a lot about me. But if it's not said there, I think that there's something you can see at the orphanage scenes at the beginning of four. I think it's okay. mentioned. So then what if it's a true ancestor to uh, to Nathan Drake who hates Nathan Drake or sorry, it's a Morgan. New, oh, okay. Because I was going to say, what if it's uh, Nathan Drake made the Drake name so popular and was taking glory from the Drake, the true Drake family. So it's a descendant of Nathan of Francis Drake who hates Nathan Drake for stealing his thunder. And it's kind of like the Mysterio twist in, Unchar- in Spider-Man where he's always been in the background. Like you see scenes from like Uncharted 1 and he's just like as the thing is coming, the the uh, gold thing is coming out of the thing on the helicopter. He's just standing there like, I just missed it. What the <laughs> hell? <laughs> he's in the background running through that old city. <laughs> Well, his his last name is Morgan, by the way, and apparently Cassie comes from his mother, whose name was Cassandra Morgan. Oh, I like that. Okay. Regardless of the fact, my nonsensical plot, actually pretty accurate plot, it's going to be a Cassie and Chloe game. That's what I think they'll do. Yeah. Saul, weird question for you. You didn't play four, right, if I remember correctly? No. Okay. If they were to come out with five or whatever they want to call the new thing, and it was his daughter, but it still had little tangential ties, uh, kind of like God of War 2018 had to God of War 1 through 3. Um, would you be drawn to play it if they showed the right stuff to you? Or is it really just Uncharted doesn't speak to you that hard? Out of uh, curiosity. Um, Uncharted has never really spoke to me that in that way anyways. So it really increasing mm-hmm. the cast isn't really going to do nothing. I'm just not a big fan of like... Um, Indiana Jones style romps. Yeah, that's fair. I was mainly curious if dropping most of the baggage of the previous characters and kind of coming in with someone new. Because I think one of the things is, is that the jumping off point here would be for people that don't know much about Drake and didn't play. If you market this right, you can make it to where it's like for people who are fans, they'll pick up on things that they'll enjoy. But for people who aren't fans, the game treats it as like the exposition that's being given fills them in on the the pertinent information you don't need to have experienced all the time between nate and elena and and everyone to be able to understand that they were a thing you can strongly imply that and and show that with character build as if this is your first time stepping in which can help sometimes when you have a long-running franchise that new people may feel like it's like kingdom hearts 3 it's, I'm surprised it sold as well as it did because it's a daunting franchise to come into. I would imagine Kingdom Hearts 4 will end up selling better than 3 because it's going to feel so disconnected from the Dark Seeker saga. And it's going to feel like this is a new stepping off point. Yeah, I just... The thing about me is like... Ex, uh, like Nathan was actually a drawing point of like why I would want to play the games because I actually like his character, his humor and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... It, it it was never a problem with Nathan or anything around his characters or anything like that that was, deterred me from playing it. Sure. 
it's more of like the comp or not combat, the gameplay in those kind of games. They're all really samey. Um, like hold up just to kind of crawl through like ledges and stuff like that, or hold to the right. It's yeah, they got they got better at that. Just kind of like uh, well, you didn't play Horizon Forbidden West yet, have you? No. There's this idea where it's like they realized that that was part of what you could do. So then it became like you need to like angle the analog stick so that your character's hand will reach up toward the next ledge you want to go to. Then you have to hit X to actually kind of move forward so that you can't just go for long stretches of, oh, we'll just hold this button until I'm to the next part where I got to shooty, shooty, shoot some boys. Right. You know? But yeah, I feel you. All right, moving on to the next thing. Uh, let's see. We have. Uh, Sony have confirmed the launch date for the new PS Plus services that are coming. Uh, the Asia markets will be getting it first, apparently excluding Japan, uh, targeting May 23rd of 2022, so less than a month out right now. Uh, Japan will get it June 1st as their current target. Uh, the Americas will be getting it June 13th as their current target, and Europe is targeting June 22nd as the last place to get this. Um these are, of course, targeting dates. There's every chance in the world that these may move, but they did come out and offer a little bit more information, as well as some information on how your account will go, depending on what you have. So if you have existing PS Plus, you will carry over into the lowest tier. If you currently have PS Plus and PS Now, you will automatically be given the high tier and Whichever of the two services you had that had the later renewal, that will be your renewal date. So that's pretty cool. So even if you have like one month of PS Now left when this happens and it puts you into the top tier, but your next renewal for PS Plus is two years from now, you're going to get that until two years, which is that's very sick. interesting. Yeah, I'm a little surprised. <laughs> just, just a little. Uh, but Xbox has been letting people get away with highway robbery for games pass so i mean at some point i guess it's an expectation that they had coming into it uh so we'll see hopefully that means we'll get a little bit more information about some games but as something that may be giving us a clue to some of the games that we'll be seeing as this new service starts to roll out four four classic games siphon filter one two logan shadow and dark mirror have been announced by PlayStation. Well, technically not announced by PlayStation, but they have been rated. You also missed some of that news, Chris, <laughs> but that's okay. They have been rated in Korea, if I remember, maybe Malaysia, somewhere over in that territory. Um, and that strongly seems to imply that these games will be part of the classic games that Sony has under the tier two and tier three, I guess in this case, specifically tier three premium tier PS plus. Um, so you will be able to play those again, Logan shadow and dark mirror, the PSP titles. Very good. Uh, interestingly, Omega strain is not here. Odd that they would suddenly have one skipped, but it might be because these games didn't release in that territory originally. So they needed to be re-rated over there. We don't need to be re-rated because they've been rated in the past. So we will see what all games come, but it seems like Siphon Filter fans will be in for some love. And this is actually a good hint that PlayStation is going to have some deep cut first party titles on there as they should. I'm going to be honest. There's no reason that every single PlayStation first party game from PS1 through PS3 should not be on the service. If I'm just being honest, yeah. uh, unless there's some kind of licensing issue as to why they can't re put it up, which occasionally happens. Um, let's see. 
Next thing up, though, uh, despite previous rumors that should have been taken with a grub of salt, it appears Kojima Productions is still working on PlayStation games. A recent photo tweeted by Kojima shows that his studio is still developing their next project on PlayStation dev kits. The studio is rumored to be making two games, so the studio could still be making the rumored Azure-powered Xbox exclusive that was hinted at being potentially near a finalization, or this could be a multi-plat game and a PlayStation game or across the board, both multi-plat games. So we will definitely see what comes, but I would not count out the chance for there to be a Death Stranding 2. Again, count out. Death Stranding wasn't a, a runaway success, but it was successful enough, made a profit, and was critically acclaimed. So I would see Sony seeing the value and rolling that dice again. Saul, you've been a little silent just due to the nature of what's been going on. I'm going to let you run with this one because I know you're a big Kojima fan. And, of course, you're a big Death Stranding fan. What are your hopes here? Uh, I definitely hope we get a sequel to Death Stranding. Um, I don't necessarily hope that it's the exact same characters. But I think that world mm-hmm. lends itself really well to uh, some more stories involved in it. Um, sure. And, you know, I think that this is just a testament that, like, it often seems like the rumors that we hear about acquisitions are almost always fanboy pandering. Um, always. I don't think I've ever seen one be correct that wasn't perpetrated by fanboys first. Um, and that's all for that's for all sides. Um, sides, I should clarify. Um, so, yeah, the whole like Konami is being bought by Xbox. The Konami is being bought bought by. Sony. Oh, Kojima's gonna get oh. bought by Xbox, or Kojima's gonna get <laughs> bought by Sony. It just never ends up being correct. And then there's stuff that comes out like this where, you know, clearly they could still be bought. I'm not saying they couldn't be, but it's it's less likely to happen. And it's less likely to get your, uh, your uh, hopes up over something like this. Or at the very least, right? This doesn't have to imply that anybody's buying Kojima, even though that's been a big deal for PlayStation. Uh, at the very least, it's still very likely that he just has an exclusive deal with PlayStation and an exclusive deal with Microsoft, but neither of those take away from him being independent and being able to release his games wherever he sees fit. Right. Um, so that's a good one. Uh, going back to your first thing about Death Stranding and wanting to see different characters in it, it kind of reminds me of the longtime The Last of Us argument. And I definitely know that despite liking The Last of Us 2 a lot, I know that I was one of the staunch people in that I still ideally think the best way to handle The Last of Us 2 would have realistically been to just introduce us to two new characters in that same world anywhere either in that 20-year gap or after and just play around with what that world's like for different people. Now, clearly there's going to be similar-ish experiences, but just as The Last of Us 2 is not a carbon copy of the story from The Last of Us 1, you could have done that with new characters and avoided some of the fan hate that can potentially come from people being such big fans of their version of a character versus what someone else may view right or wrong for a character. And I think it really preserves the very vague ending of the first game that really lets you as the viewer and experiencer kind of come to your own conclusion and kind of bury that in your mind. So I think that I agree with you that I would personally prefer a Death Stranding 2 to explore something 
new and different. I don't think we need to see Sam again. And I think the ending of that game is also just as come to your own conclusion as to what will happen next and let it be. Right. Would you kind of agree with that? Yes. Chris, did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, it should be Andrew Lincoln in the next game. And then after that, for Death Stranding 3, it would be Laura Cohen. And then we could get, you know, the kid who plays Carl. Just do it that way. (laughs) Every Death Stranding game stars a new Walking Dead I knew Andrew Lincoln sounded familiar. I knew it did too, and I was like, what is the bad guys here? Have you ever watched Walking, <laughs> Dead, Walking Dead? No. Okay. I mean, I've seen I've seen some of it, but it's not a good show, so I I stopped watching it. I always recommend people, kind of similar to Dexter, watch up to season three. Yeah, and then after after season three, it's just not. Season four, I think, is Dexter's finale, though. That I think, right? Like the great, like the. But, uh, uh, season four is the Trinity Killer, yeah. and it's so good. Yeah, season <laughs> yes. four is the is the peak of Dex, uh, Dexter. Season three is the peak of Walking uh, yeah. Dead, in my opinion. Now, I would agree. There's some really great moments afterwards in, De- in Dexter, but none of them carry the same weight of, of season four. It's just who's the Trinity season Killer? Season one, two, actor? three, and four are all amazing. John Lithgow. Uh, John Lithgow. Okay. I can never remember his name. Yeah, that's yeah. the the in, literally ending episode of that season is just. It's incredible. It could have ended. Honestly, the show could have ended right there. (laughs) I would have been fine with it. That's one of those. It would have been. It would have been. It would have been a really poetic ending, though. Yeah, in in a lot of ways. It would have. Well, spoiler alert for like a twelve-year-old show, but it would have ended how it started. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like it would be Dexter refusing to move on and seeing himself in this way, and it would really put a lot of. It would shed a lot of light on the way that. uh, It would really let the viewers think what they want to about Harry's code and whether or not it was the right thing for Dexter to do or did it just create a bigger cycle and I think that that could have been really cool uh, and vague in a good way like leave it up to us as a viewer to be like what the and then just be like yeah that's it that's the end (laughs) no more context no nothing Um, (laughs) that would have been great that would have been really interesting and then maybe Dexter New Blood would have been interesting to come back around to and be like Here's Dexter many, many years later, and let's see what he's doing. Did he learn a lesson or not? And then you can kind of, or you just literally leave it forever. I think New Blood probably only happened because people were not happy with the original ending. <laughs> so, is what it is. All right, let's see. Next thing. Oh, sorry, Chris, I didn't give you your chance. I know oh, yeah. you fell in love with Death Stranding. I did. So what what's your what's your piece here? I know you mentioned the, your little joke about The Walking Dead, but do you have like a real want or wish out of this? No, I just want Kojima to do what he wants. Um, I don't know. I think if that includes getting bought, are you okay with that? Out of curiosity, I, yeah, I don't care. I mean, getting bought, all that does is just give him borderline unlimited money. You know. Yeah, which he you can't you would assume he does not have as an independent guy. So I don't know. I mean, if he wants to get as long as he has the relations to continue securing deals, he essentially has unlimited money. But it's not it's not always there. It's more that he has to reach out and be like, hey, you know how we've had great relationships in the past or hey, Xbox, you know how. You've never gotten to have a game on your system day one that's a Kojima creation, but right. besides Metal Gear Solid Five, um, 
Yeah, I, don't know. I can I, see leveraging those things. I think for him, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but I think if he was to be bought by anyone, Sony makes the most sense because he has said on multiple occasions he wants to make movies. So all Sony's got to do is be like, well, let you make movies too. Just make us games. Like, yeah, it seems easy. You want to make a destiny like, movie, Kojima? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would actually be Or do you want to do a weird art piece, death stranding tie in movie? That's like, you know, for whatever extended universe movie for death stranding. Uh, he would he probably wa- jump all over that. He walks into Sony pictures office and goes, have you ever seen irreversible? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a midweek matinee deep cut right there. Yeah, it is. Speaking of midweek, Chris, we got asked what's going on with midweek. Yeah, and you threw me under the bus even though I edited all the episodes. You got to send me the uh, the, the stuff for the beginning and ending. Sorry, I'll take that. I I thought I did send you all the logos. You said you were going through video editing with your dad. You did. You have to send me the the Patreon stuff. That's all I need for it to... Oh, well, look, hey, Sean, sorry. I didn't, I wasn't trying to throw Chris in the bus. <laughs> Apparently, it's my fault. My bad. I just, I just read that and I was like, this fucking guy. <laughs> sorry, that was not my intention, but that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, ready right, to go. Let's see. I actually was considering just doing the audio and just being like, screw it, it's out. Like, there you go. Yeah. We'll see what happens if, uh, if you are one of the people like Sean One Neo, one of our longtime patrons who is just hungering for more midweek, <laughs> then what we'll at least do is the three or four episodes that we have, put those out across you know weeks or whatever to spread them out a little and see what the engagement is and see if we want to reopen that can of worms, Chris. I'm happy to uh, do it. Be interesting to see. We started the MCU. A lot of it's gonna, we might as well get there. <laughs> a, a lot of the problem that I feel like we're going to end up coming into is your schedule lately and my schedule have not been lining up. If yeah. we can't even play Borderlands together, I don't know exactly how we're going to do a podcast together. Just throwing that out there. We'll figure but it out. I'm not, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it's something we would need to consider. But moving along as we continue, uh, Gearbox and Embracer have announced a sequel to Tales of the Borderlands being wow. in development and very close to primetime. The sequel launches sometime this year. And here's my real question here. Tales of, Tales of the Borderlands, whatever they're going to call this. I didn't get to look too far into this. Is Where does Embracer come in? Did it, is Embracer behind the new uh, Telltale? Embracer owns Gearbox. Okay. I did not know that. Yeah, they've owned them for like four years, I want to say. I owned them for a while. All right, cool. That was their last so, big purchase, I believe, was Gearbox. He, so here's my other question here. Who is the developer here? Is this Telltale? No, it's Gearbox, from what I can tell. I'm going to look it up real quick. Because the big thing that kind of comes to me is primarily yeah, developed by Gearbox and will feature new characters. Who was the writer for Tales from the Borderlands? Originally, I know it's not oh, all developed, but who was the writer? Was it no someone clue. from within Gearbox? That's a really interesting <clears throat> question. Also, does that mean that this is going to be Gearbox further stepping away from their standard type of Borderlands game and doing the first Telltale style adventure game, essentially? Um, mm. I think it would just be. 
another point and click kind of. Well, that's what I mean. Pick a dialogue uh, option and go. Yeah, uh, wh- whatever you want to call that. It's not really a. Uh, it's not like a graphic novel or whatever the video game graphic novel. Visual novel. Visual novel. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's kind of that. It's yeah. not. It, but it's kind of like that. I'm just a little surprised because of Telltale being back around that they wouldn't go out and seek that out. But maybe it's because of speed of development. Maybe it was quicker and easier for them to do it in-house than try and be like, hey, we know that you're working on this game and this game and uh, Wolf Among Us 2 Telltale, but we also want you to do this one. Either way, it'll be I wouldn't be surprised if Telltale's like, we just got to own our own IPs this time. Because that's what really screwed them. Yeah, they had zero value outside of the actual game themselves. Right. The only exactly. product that they had the rights to being <laughs> um, Wolf Among Us. Mm-hmm. And that's still not their IP. They just have, they at least have secured the rights to use it from right. the actual author of the books. So interesting. All right. Well, that's good to know. I'm glad I decided to look a little bit more into it. Uh, let's see. I think that that actually is the last piece of news for today. Besides, get a little rumory here. There Ooh. are rumors out. Yep. That. And this is from someone, uh, Bill Bill Coon, who has been responsible for PS Plus leaks in the last few months, and they have seemingly all turned out to be true. He has leaked that the upcoming May PlayStation Plus games that I'm sure we'll be hearing about very soon are going to be FIFA 22, both the PS5 and PS4 versions, Tribes of Midgard, the PS5 and PS4 versions. And if I'm not mistaken, it's like an online top-down <coughs> ARPG Diablo-ish style game that I think may have some competitive nature to it, uh, as well as for PS4, Curse of the Dead Gods, which is a top-down roguelite, if I remember correctly. And it looked really good. I haven't got a chance to play it. Uh, So it seems like a solid month as long as FIFA 22 uh, fixes all the progression issues that FIFA 21 had and nobody ever bothered to fix. But for free, I'll totally download FIFA 22. (laughs) (laughs) Just, Just throwing that out there. Uh, and I will. I'll have to rechallenge Andrew yet again for the belt. But we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's a solid month. Um, there's been a lot of questions around PS Plus and the games and what's going to happen with that going into the new PS Plus services. Uh, but I think Sony's kind of already said they're going to be adding the same games. There's going to be games added every month, even for the lowest tier. I think the real question that people have is is the quality going to take a dip now that there are higher revenue routes? You know, will they suddenly start being like, there's a fourth game every month if you're in the middle tier or maybe a fourth game in every month for specifically the highest tier. I'm, I'm really curious to see if that happens. I wonder if they'll start taking this thing of, Hey, if you're a PlayStation pre PlayStation plus premium person, then this month we're giving all PS plus premium people a siphon filter, dark mirror. We're just going to throw that on. That's the new game for this month. What I think it'll be is something akin to that, but more like if you're in the PS Plus tier this month, we've released an optimized version of Ratchet and Clank into the Nexus, and it's got full trophy support, you know, scales to 4K, 60 FPS kind of thing. That's what I think the route is. is Okay, especially if we look at the game preservation news and we look at it as them trying to make these games run. That's what I would think. Like, hey, here's 
I don't know, Time and Eternity now remastered for PS5. You know what I mean? Not remastered, but refreshed and reloaded kind of thing. Resonance of Fate. Here's, Re- yeah. here's Resonance of Fate. <laughs> I just bought that game. <laughs> no, did you? Yeah, um, I'm excited to try it. What's cool. the uh, What's the Obsidian made? Is it Alpha Protocol? Yes, that game rocks. Bring back Alpha Protocol. Phil. <laughs> Phil. Phil. I, I know you're not listening to this podcast, but Alpha Protocol 2. Make it just as bad. I'm pretty sure Sega has to be the one. They, I'm pretty sure they own that IP. Still, Phil owns <laughs> Obsidian. Okay? The Obsidian guys are in his pocket. Fix New Vegas so I can get the Platinum on PS3. And then release Alpha <laughs> Protocol 2. Update the PS3 version, please. Yes, update the PS3 version. Listen, and when, when, when everyone plays We Win, I'm trying to play one of your legacy IPs. Fix it for me. That's all I'm asking. And then give me Alpha Protocol 2. You know, you, know you know what the answer would be, though? We've already done that work. Come on over to Xbox, and you have a great version of the game to play right here. Okay. <laughs> Let me unlock Platinum, and I'll hear you out. Dude, no joke. What a PR flex it would be if Xbox suddenly said, hey, Skyrim PS3, Fallout 3 PS3, and, and Fallout New Vegas PS3 all got optimization patches to make them run better mm-hmm. <laughs> so that our legacy IP can be enjoyed even on their original platforms. If they came out and said that, and they basically just said, we updated the game because Sony <laughs> you know, couldn't you know, be bothered to court big, anybody to do it, the, it would be the very bigger flex, I think, would be... Hey, we're remastering Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, you know, all those. And let's say Oblivion and Skyrim, you know, and we're releasing them on PlayStation because Sony's console didn't let them play. And we want PlayStation gamers to know what those games are like running properly. That would be the PR flex. That would, <laughs> the console that would be is wild. so broken that these games didn't work and we are not providing you a way on your platform of choice to play these games in a proper way. Yeah, and, and in terms of bolstering their own ecosystem, it does nothing for them. But just to have a quick PR win, I think you'd still gain a lot for people who just go to you because they're like, bro, that was bold. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Then I'd be like, yo, thank you. That was a really cool PR move. I'm going to get these platinums now. Here's my $60. Be wild, Here's my eight, $120 for Fallout 3. I'd pay that. Give me a collector's edition. 300 bucks. I'll, I'll pay. It's crazy, man. We'll see what ends up happening. I do think going back to that idea of, of if they literally are having to essentially build one emulator a month to get a game working or one emulator at a time to get each game working, and that's how they choose to implement this, there is a good way for them to be like, even if it's like six months from now when they really got their ball rolling and have a few titles ahead, then just be like once a month, select a game and make the emulator for that game because you deem it as popular enough and worthy and then release that as either a premium title or whatever that's free or at the very least, if you really want to do it because the backwards compatible games are only available as part of premium, they're not free or whatever. Maybe they are, but you just say as part of this, we've added this game to the long lineup. Like every month we're going to release a new title in this lineup for the next 12 months, at the very least. And after the first 12 months, we'll see how much people respond to these games and interact with them and enjoy them. And then we'll continue from there. We'll see. Exactly. Um, all right. So how about this? 
that this is going to be our our community's take and our and I guess to a degree it'll be our topic to end the show with. Um, Saul, let me throw something at you. Sure. It, it, let's say that this is what's going on. This this thing that they're doing with the the uh, preservation team is to start essentially developing one game at a time, emulator wise, to where you can play the original game, maybe even enhanced on PS5. What is the one PS3 game that you would love to see given this treatment first and foremost? Hmm. It's kind of hard. Probably Metal Gear Solid 4. That's, that's actually very up up high on my list as well. <laughs> there, yeah, there's only like one way to play it, and that's PS3. It's never had any other mm-hmm. port outside of any of other system, PC, anything else. Um, yep. So yeah, I would like to see how now, like being as a, like a a more mature adult, what my opinion on that game would actually be separated from youth. Actually, I kind of agree with that. I haven't played, I haven't replayed Metal Gear Solid Four since I was a teenager, and I I was like fifteen the last time I played that game. Yeah, I was like seventeen. So um, yeah, I would I would be curious as to what my opinion would be um, because it's definitely not one of my favorite Metal Gear Solids. It's it's one of my least favorites. So. Um, I still think that's a wild opinion, but at the very least, you still enjoy the game. It's just not your favorite Metal Solid. Is yeah, that basically what it is. Pretty much, like um, it's like Dark Souls Two. I love the game. It's just not a good. It's not my favorite Metal Solid game. Actually, in terms of like, for those that are curious, my favorite, my ranking would be uh, one. If it is uh, Twin Snakes, if it's not Twin Snakes, it'll be three. Uh, sub uh, Snake Eater, uh, one. Two, four for the mainline games. What about five? You love five for the mainline games. <laughs> five is not a mainline game. No, got it. It's not. It's really not. <laughs> it's it kind of falls. I agree. Like Peace from Walker. what I do know about the store, yeah, it's kind of like a supplemental game. Peace Walker is actually Peace Walker is a great game. Yeah, so it's Metal Gear Acid. Does anybody else remember Metal Gear Acid? Yeah, actually, I do. <laughs> there was Wait, a, there if, was Acid one and two, wasn't there? Yeah, there was Acid two. I never played to the second. I don't one. think I played Acid two. Yeah. What's up, Chris? I don't know enough about Metal Gear to have this conversation. I don't. I don't know. I feel like it's. From what I can tell, it's clearly a mainline game. It's just the first. <clears throat> it's just what, a five? game early in the series. Yeah. Well, you're right. Yeah, but for there's a weird. Because the so example technically... I was going to give right is if if Star Wars one, two, and three are mainline Star Wars, and five is still mainline Metal Gear. A lot of people don't consider like. Um... 358 over two Kingdom Hearts and mainline Kingdom Hearts game. And that has the kind of story dump that five, Metal Gear Solid 5 has in a weird way. Like the style of it. If that I makes think sense. That's actually a relatively fair comparison. Yeah, like like I would consider Birth by Sleep a mainline game. But barely. Yeah, I think I think most people do too because Birth by Sleep is also a long game. It's like roughly forty five hours. Yeah, I beat that uh, game. Each game campaign in, in, takes roughly fifteen hours. To, I beat to that game complete. in one in literally like a sitting. I didn't fall asleep to beat that game. Um, but it has 
it's weird though because you can also compare Birth by Sleep to Five in a lot of ways. I was going to say that's why it I said introduces barely. new characters. Yeah. Yeah, it, it introduces a lot of new characters, but it takes place before at the time, before anything else had, and it sets up the primary antagonist for the majority of the rest of the series. So in a lot of ways, I mean, I agree. He's like, I don't love Five like everyone else does. I couldn't even finish it. I think it, it, it changed things for me in a way that moved away from what I liked about the game, and it's kind of like Elden Ring and where it's hard to completely know for sure if this is what it is but I think what it is is that suddenly the game was open and that wasn't what I liked about Metal Gear Solid I think what I liked about Metal Gear Solid and what I like about like Souls games is that they are linear with just enough wiggle room to kind of feel like you have some choice um and I think that might have been that and the change of how story is presented in five are two very distinct changes that are hard for me as a fan of all the other games to really kind of encompass and pull together. But otherwise, yeah, well, it's essentially birth by it's it's essentially the birth by sleep. Which see, Peace Walker really was the birth by sleep. That well, five. see, that's what I was gonna say is I don't <laughs> think you have to play three fifty eight over two. To understand the story, you could watch a recap, and that's how I think of five. Five, the, the the stuff that's revealed in five helps more out with Metal Gear in an odd way. I was yeah, I'm glad you said that. I was gonna say earlier that five almost has more bearing on Metal Gear, the original series before Metal Gear Solid, than it does actually on Metal Gear Solid story. Right. So it's it's almost like a Metal Gear game, which it's it's weird. It's in terms of like mainline games, it's weird. Uh, I know some people that don't count. Um, oh, what is that game series called? Oh, see now I can't think of what my thought was. Now I got so I got so lost in thinking of what the series was, I forgot where it was going. But it's. Um, Oh, come on now. JRPG. I think we talked about it earlier. Um, Yakuza. Okay. Older? No, Yakuza. Oh, Yakuza? Okay, yeah, so whether people, or not they consider Judgment. Yes, I was going to say, but they definitely consider Kiwami, because if isn't Kiwami the first one, or is it Zero? It's a remake of the first one, Right, yes. okay. So that's kind of... Zero is also a telling exploring the, the main one. characters. Okay, so yeah, like it's, it's, so it's what Zero I've been is a about, prequel. Judgment. Yeah. Because, see, and this is what, this is, it doesn't irritate me because I don't mind convolutedness when it comes to games. I like Kingdom Hearts. Um, if somebody would tell me the proper way to play Yakuza, I'd probably play them. But honestly, I keep getting like six One, different two, answers. Three, four, five, six, seven. Zero when, does zero come in? So zero at the very I played end. zero when it came out. So you played release one. But I think you should pray. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been playing them since PS2. But yeah, I think you would. I personally wouldn't play Zero without playing the rest of the series. I don't think prequels have as much punch when they're played first. It depends the whole on the point prequel. of a Sometimes thing like that Zero. Is very true. Having well, not Zero, played Zero, I can't say. But I will, one thing I will say about Zero is that if you if if you're way that you plan on playing the Yakuza games is to not play the original one and two, but instead play Kiwami and Kiwami two, and then move on from there. Zero has this thing where it's it it came before Kiwami. So if you play it after Kiwami, a lot of the quality of life and general gameplay style and story style that they choose to employ 
is not in zero. And it was really hard for me to go from Kiwami to zero because I felt like the style that had been established was just stepped back real hard. And I don't mean that as zero is a bad game. It was just the change for me was bad. I almost wish I had played zero first, then played Kiwami because you wouldn't be taking that step back. It entirely, I think, depends on your goal. If your goal is to see the story, I don't think zero pays off without playing the rest of the games. And I, I and, can tell and you why because I, I don't, don't want to spoil because it. I don't know. Yeah, but. exactly. Because I don't know what happens at zero, I can't make that that call. I could just say from a gameplay perspective and the way the story was presented, it was very hard for me to pick that up after I've playing Kiwami. It's kind of why whenever well, you that, were asking how to play, like what order to play Kingdom Hearts, I'm like, dude, play them in release order because even though I think one holds up really well, and I think it's a really good game, Kingdom Hearts one, it's still a thing where. Kingdom Hearts 1 will feel decidedly more dated if you play it in the context of having already played 2. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I think, think Saul would agree with that. Yeah, I definitely would say release order Kingdom Hearts. I always will recommend release order. Yeah. For Kingdom for Hearts. Yakuza to me, it's just, that- it takes a character who is kind of a flat character and turns him into a very multifaceted character and i don't know i think that playing through at him as this one way makes what happens in zero payoff so that's i wouldn't play them first i don't understand why you'd play a prequel before you play the rest of them because that's the, the point of the now, prequel talk- is to be played at the end in my opinion for curiosity for me because i did play kiwami um and that's the only that i've played i played a little bit of judgment uh yeah I am assuming the character you're referring to is actually Goro, correct? Or are you, you actually can assume I'm not going to spoil the game. So, <laughs> to be I want to be fair, to I think zero. that the uh, yeah, exactly. I think I don't, and I don't. You're not telling what it is, but I would say that the trailers for Zero definitely made me feel like the whole point of it is to paint Goro in a new light. You can confirm or deny if you want to, but that's what I picked up whenever I went to I bought the game and was looking at trailers and stuff after having played Kiwami, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. This looks like this is supposed to show you a time in which this character handled things drastically differently than he does now, but uh, we'll see. Yes. Uh, well, Chris, I'm going to move along to you. It does what's, your one, what's your one PS3 game that you would want to get this treatment first if you had, a, if you had the decision? Naughty Bear. That's a hard question. You said Naughty Bear. I heard you. I did say Naughty Bear. Chris loves Naughty Bear. I do love Naughty Bear, and that is a game I've Naughty Bear is a great game. If you don't like Naughty Bear, you have bad taste. It's just objective. (laughs) Um, Grand Theft Auto 4. That was actually a thought process I had. That that, that hit me in the thought. Yeah, Grand Theft Auto 4. Uh, I want to replay that game. There's nothing like Grand Theft Auto 4. See, I, I was not a big fan yeah, of Grand Theft Auto Grand Theft Auto 5. Oh, I love Grand Theft Auto 4. <laughs> I think it's it's incredible. I, I get I get it. It's very I don't know. You have to be in that kind of space, I guess. But I love the story. I think it's incredible. Um it's better than five, so take that for what you will. Even though I love five, I just beat it recently, so here here's GTA the thing. 4 I don't hate four by any standard, Chris, but the few times that I've heard people say that four is better than five, all that does is make me not want to play five. <laughs> that, yeah, but you bad, have bad but, takes on Rockstar games. 
So apparently so. Apparently so. I, I don't know what my bad take is. You you universally think that one of the highest acclaimed Rockstar games is terrible. So if if you're gonna say like, that about me, that? I'm gonna have to throw that back onto you. Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. What game is it's, that? Yeah, that I don't like. Red Dead Two. Red Dead Two sucks. Oh, okay. I yeah, thought, see, I thought you were talking about people, it, people I mean, absolutely I mean, sorry, I got the adore Red Dead Two. Right. They can adore it, but I hate <laughs> the fundamental point of that game. So yeah, I think it's a bad game. Like, so if I hate, the I don't fundamental... want to play a sim. But that's not the same yeah. argument. Oh. You, you thinking objectively good third person controls is bad, is not. Oh, that's the same not even the only reason. Saying, that's not the. That's I don't want to play a sim. <laughs> I know, but that's that the bad the take reason. I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't know about the rest of your takes. I'm talking about the bad take that third person shooting is bad. Yeah, I thought but the story like for said. four was like it's strictly speaking of story because you're saying like I'm assuming when you say four is better than five, you're probably strictly talking about the story, the element that moved you the most, or or do you yeah. think gameplay wise it's even better? No, I think the story's better. I actually prefer Liberty City to San Andreas, but so uh, I think the yeah, world okay. is better. I I do too, <laughs> not necessarily right. because of four. But I think all of the stories that they've given us, like Grand Theft Auto 3 and Liberty City stories, were all more interesting than what Vice City provided, what Vice City stories provided. And even though I do have a love for San Andreas in the original San Andreas, it's still... I I like it more than Vice City. But either way, 4... There's something about 4 from a fundamental gameplay level, and this is all based off of playing it a long time ago. Uh, And I did beat it, but playing it and what the game tried switching to in a lot of ways, I had lost at that point. But I also thought the story was just kind of, I don't know, I'm probably going to sound bad. But the time, I felt like it was clumsy in comparison to what I expected from what the previous games had built up until that point. And that's, you know, at this point, I'm working on very vague information because I played this game in 2008 when it came out. Um, yeah. So it's hard All to I'm even, going to say, you know, go to a single story moment. You cannot argue that spending 30 minutes opening a drawer is fun. You can argue that it's immersive. That is a different argument. <laughs> but I had well, a then, hold on, solid hold 0% of fun. Yeah. Let, okay, let's go this way, though. Here's how you can go off of your thing. You can't argue that it's fun. You can argue that it's immersive. And if your argument that it, if, if for mm-hmm. you something being immersive is fun, then guess what? Opening a drawer for 30 seconds is fun for that person. Right? That person can go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Look, I will still continue to stand by the fact that I think Grand Theft Auto 4 and 3 and literally all of them play terribly. <laughs> I won't say terribly. They play very clumsily for a game of the quality they are. And I think it was fine during the PS2 generation when there really wasn't anything on the same level as it. But I'll tell you right now, playing Infamous 2, a system that on the on the the to the eyes would look very similar to Grand Theft Auto 4, Infamous 2 feels infinitely better than my memory of Grand Theft Auto 4. And definitely, I felt that way when I first played Infamous 2. Uh, 
in comparison to a much closer gap between when I had played Grand Theft Auto 4. So just throwing that out there. That's where I'm at. Um, but I'm not, I'm not surprised. Um, I am a little surprised that you went, and I don't mean this in a bad way, because clearly mainstream games are mainstream for a reason. They tend to be good, uh, or at least mm. universally loved by a large group of people. I'm a little surprised that Grand Theft Auto was your cut, though. Yeah. Speaking well, of Rockstar games, if I was going to do like a Rockstar game... Answer. Fair. If I was going to do a Rockstar game, like if, I, if I'm taking that route, since you think my opinions about Rockstar are, ter- are apparently bad, if I was going to choose mm-hmm. a PS3 era Rockstar game, that was okay. That's actually hard. It would have been Midnight uh-huh. Club, actually, because Midnight Club Los Angeles is amazing. But the actual game I was going to say that's more in the vein of Grand Theft Auto would have been Max Payne 3. I, I thought Max Payne 3 that's was very good. Also, a great answer. I actually just installed that on my PC. Um, I don't know. I, GTA 4, because I'm looking at the games I own. And GTA 4 is the only one that I'm like, I'd like to play again. Like, there's stuff like, I'd like to see a sequel. You know, I want to see a sequel to Spec Ops. I don't know what they would do, but I'd be interested in seeing something kind of in that same vein. Or give me another Enslaved Odyssey to the West. That game rocks, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. Give me Godfather 3. Godfather 2 is sick. If you've never played Godfather 2, that game is awesome. I haven't, but I know that when I worked at GameStop, people would constantly come in looking for it. Yeah, Because that one best. released on 360, if I remember correctly. I don't. Did. did it get a PS3 version? Okay, couldn't yeah, remember. I have the plan. Um, I know some. I know some of those games had that weird thing where, like, they released in 2006 and 2005, right before the PS3 came out, and they just never got a PS3 version. Um, yeah. But I didn't know if that was one of them for sure. Um, for it, it's weird because I'm playing it right now, but it goes towards saying I've been saying this for a long time. If we're talking about like making the game run better and be able to play in a much easier fashion. Uh, I've said it for a long time and I'm playing it now as part of that. Infamous 2 would probably be really up there. I think that that game is... Like when I'm playing it right now, I think the game feels so good and it's got a great story. It's got great voice acting. It's rough around the edges from age from what we expect now. But if you found a way to remaster that and clean that up a little bit, I think the game is otherwise... I don't want to say flawless, but it's so good that I think it reaches that point where in talking about infamous, I've always felt that infamous two could totally stand up to modern games with just a remaster. But I think infamous one would, would need a full on remake because infamous one is just a far more rough around the edge game. I love the game, but it's a lot, it's worse to play. It doesn't feel near as good in the hands. There's a lot of issues with performance in the game. There's a lot of very Mm -hmm. janky animation and character models. And that would need to be full on remade. But Infamous 2 has a solid enough foundation that a remaster would go a long way. So, yeah, that's probably uh, my, my one. You know what? Give Rockstar in or not Rockstar. Killzone give two, Naughty Dog Killzone Infamous. 2. <laughs> Killzone 2, yes. That depends, right? Because if we're talking about full on bringing back like the multiplayer works and the game works, the answer is Call of Duty Dude. 4, or Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare 2. You bring those back with the same uh, online, just as janky, just as broken, I'm, that's the only game I'll ever play. Oh, I guess I you forgot about that. When they remastered terminal. those games, when they remastered those games, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered did have multiplayer, but it was changed. Mm-hmm. And then Call yeah, of Duty Modern the Warfare 2 
didn't did even not. have multiplayer. No. Call of Duty Campaign Rough. Remastered is how it came out. I'm gonna tell you but right now what I was saying. Killzone Three would be my would be my comeback. Full multiplayer is working again. Game looks great and is remastered. Essentially, you know, in terms of yeah. like in, in improved native resolution and and the texture quality ends up being better and the frame rates higher. That's it. You don't have to do anything else to the game. Just native yep. resolution higher, frame rate higher. All the all odds back, dude. I would be lost in Killzone Three for probably a year. <laughs> I adore that. Game. Yeah, I had. Killzone 2 game. multiplayer is great too. Killzone 1 and 2. Killzone 2 multiplayer Killzone. is Killzone also amazing. I love that one. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a very Honestly, either of those, I'm happy. We could go any way with it, right? Because, like I said, multiplayer, you're talking about Modern Warfare 3. RPG, maybe Dragon Age Origins with, you know, keyboard and mouse support on PS5. That would be pretty great. You know, I could go a lot of ways. You I think would have said the, uh, the best answer, but... I used to say I, I would have said Kingdoms of Amalur, but that's been remastered and actually pretty well. Right. So I don't have to throw Kingdoms that out. That's one sick. of those niche games. That game is amazing. Yeah, and replay the remaster re-cemented like, that. I would say bring back stuff that is going. It's typical, but bring back stuff that doesn't have trophy support and make those games Give modern and throw trophy. Where's the Heavenly Sword remaster? Why has that not happened? With you know, dude, full textures and trophy support. Finally, Saul, I think you'll appreciate inversion. this. I know Big Seth did, <laughs> but oh, inversion was interesting. Um, Dark Sector, though, you just recently got it. I didn't even know about yeah, Dark Sector until Saul's buddy and I guess my buddy too, uh, Big Seth, introduced me to it years ago. It's a fantastic, and game. <clears throat> that game it's it's amazing and it does not have trophies but the game I, I, here's what i'm excited for chris i think when you go to play mm-hmm. that game you're going to be surprised at how good it looks for a game that came out when it came out how well right. it still plays this is all going off of memory but i feel confident that the game will play pretty pretty smoothly and the, the controls will feel pretty in line and the way it responds will be good i think you'll enjoy the story and I think you'll enjoy the way it looks and feels outside of that. Like some of the mechanic ideas that are in there. I think bringing Dark Sector back, remastered, is where it's, again, higher resolution, higher frame rate. Mm-hmm. And then just adding some trophies in would be excellent. Top notch. And Top actually, two. this might be kind of what you were going toward, but I think, weirdly enough, my hope for this, as much as there are very big games that I would love to see and have an easier time to replay that were still big and I and everyone played, I would kind of actually hope that this service looks at some niche games that people love that just didn't get enough love and bring those to a new audience. Yeah. Like some of that's already happened. Like, <laughs> right. Vanquished is back. You can play that on PS4. Therefore you can play it on PS5. And that gave it a chance to see a new audience, but there's a lot of very small niche, interesting games that I would love to see given enough treatment. But then the question becomes, why would they sink that much development time into building an emulator for a game that really didn't have that fervorous of a fan base or cell base? Because it's like, am I I wasting a month, two months of development of this emulator for a game hardly anyone's going to play? But if if you're really saying that your goal here is preservation, I don't think that that should necessarily play into it entirely. I think it should look at how hard is it to find this game even though the game was kind of niche, did it have a very strong following? Like before Nier got remade, Nier would have been one of probably my actual answer for this, but it's been remade and I don't have to worry about that, you know? So 
I agree. But unless you boys want to add anything else to that, I think that that is a perfect way to wrap the show up and a perfect community's take question to throw out there so that Chris, this will be the benefit for you. You get some uh, recommendations for PS3 games that you might not have heard of that people end up telling you, puts your eye on them and you go, oh man, this looks awesome. Actually, while we're throwing that out there, I would love to see, not it wouldn't be my top title, but I would love to see Asura's Wrath come back. Oh, that would be really cool. I'm, I'm, I think one of these weeks that's going to be my next buy. Spend the 50 bucks. I, I was trying, I was negotiating with a guy trying to get it for like 50 instead of 60, but uh, didn't happen. Also, Shadows of the Damned because <laughs> it's, yep. no, it's no longer available on PC. So let's just, mm-hmm. which probably means that realistically they can't add it to the emulator anyway because they have to have a way to license to put it up. And I'm assuming they lost the license, but I would love to see that. Uh, anyway, the community's take well, this week chainsaw. will be, yeah, all those pseudo games, huh? The community's take yeah. this week will be if you had control over the first game that Sony brought uh, as part of this preservation initiative to play on PS5. What game would that be and why? Uh, give us some love and some memory that you have for that game so that we can kind of understand. Maybe it's a game we haven't heard of and haven't played, and you may draw us towards playing it since Chris and I are taking the weird back steps down PS3 memory lane. Um, <laughs> maybe you can give us some new PS3 memories. <laughs> uh, but with that said, I think we're going to round the show off. Saul, do you want to handle that? Yes, sir. So for those that want to know, you can find us across a couple of different services. First off, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us at facebook.com. And uh, of course, you can find us under the Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast page, where all you have to do is, or I'm sorry, group, but all you have to do is ask to be entered and ye shall enter. And you can find us on Twitter at <laughs> triangle, or uh, twitter.com slash triangle SQRD. And then uh, across most podcast services, if you happen to find one that we're not on, that's why I always say most, then uh, let us know. We can try to get on it. And um, yeah, on top of that, you can see our beautiful faces uh, when I get my USB situation figured out. You, mine too. But you can see all that on YouTube at uh, Nartech, youtube.com slash Nartech. And you could find us on patreon.com slash Nartech for just as little as a dollar a month. You can help support the show grow. And when stuff like this happens and we have some technical problems we have to sort out, it kind of helps us out with that as well. So if you like the show, be sure to show us some love. If you dislike the show, be sure to tell us why and share the show because that helps us grow as well. And I'd like to thank you all for tuning in for episode 258. We'll see you all back for 259 next week. All right, guys. Big shout out to our patrons, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warppoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Jason Clendenning, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all, and we hope to see you next week. Bye.